0: What is going on, Bullpen Bros family? This is your host, Maddie C., back with yet another episode. What's going on, guys? I'm happy to be back, happy to be back behind the mic uh, for another episode. You know, like I always tell you guys, it's my favorite part of my week, favorite part of my day. I love sitting down and being able to talk with you guys. I love being able to talk baseball. This is one of my passions, my love for the game. And, you know, I'm very passionate about all this stuff. So being able to sit down and talk, And, uh, do what I love to do is something I always love, enjoy doing throughout my day, you know, and it's time for me to finally record, sit down, do an episode for you guys. You know, we got a lot of good stuff on slate. We're talking a lot of lockout today, guys. We're talking, um, something that I think that's good that they're, uh, they're discussing as far as, um, salary goes for the players, you know, um, we're talking my feelings towards the lockout. Um, we're talking, uh, you know, the three big free, and it's still available, Correa, Story, and Freeman. Um, you know, we just got a lot of lockout discussion today, and that's probably going to take up a large part of our um, episode. I have a lot of feelings and a lot of stuff to say about that stuff, and then also on this episode, you know, we're going to talk NOS baseball. For my West Coast listeners, I'm sure this is the one you guys have been waiting for. All my Giants fans, Dodger fans, um, you know, NOS NOS talk just in general, you know, whoever you fan you are, Padres, Diamondbacks, whoever, Rockies. Um, all my faithful listeners who are West Coast fans, you know, I got that all on slate to you for you guys today. Got some interesting stuff to say. Um, you know, it's just a great, it's going to be a great episode, guys, and if you're listening right now, you should be hearing Kern Craft 400 by Zombie Nation. This is a song um, that I thought was very fitting for today's episode, because in my, fir- my first ever baseball game um, was a Giants-Dodgers baseball game, you know, and you know, with me saying that, you're like, you should probably be thinking, you know, then how are you not a Dodger fan or a Giants fan? If that was your first ever baseball game. Well, the Yankee evil empire just got to me, and you know, I got brainwashed and turned to the dark side. What can I say? Can't help it. <laughs> um, but anywho, um, we're back with yet another episode, and uh, you know, this this song is very fitting because we're talking NL West baseball, and this was my very first baseball game. You know, um, Steve Finley hit a walk off. Grand Slam against the Giants to win the championship game for the Dodgers. And, um, you know, this is always a game that holds true to my heart. I went out there and watched it with, uh, my Nino, my dad, my uncle, Raul, and a few of my cousins, you know, it was just kind of spur of the moment trip, kind of just decided to go. And we were all the way up at the very top of Chavez Ravine. And, you know, it was a game I'll always remember, you know, I remember seeing bond. I remember seeing a lot of those guys when I went to go watch them play. I didn't, I was still young. I was probably, shoot, maybe four, four or five years old. So I remember, but I remember the atmosphere is what I should say. I remember walking through the doors, the gates, I should say, and crying. I remember just seeing that big league field because I was a big baseball guy. Like I played baseball my whole entire life. So I remember walking through the gates. I remember crying. I remember tearing up, you know, and the aromas of the baseball park with the hot dogs, you know, the nachos, just seeing everything that you – envisioned as a little kid of a major league baseball being i would i showed up and i and took it all in you know and this was a this, this is a game i'll always remember i didn't know how important of a game it was until later on and this game showed up on an mlb countdown of i think it was the mlb network countdown of the world like uh, best mlb games ever to be played or something like that i remember seeing on account i was like hold up how was that that game i was like that was a big time game and it ended up being a championship series game um, for the Dodgers or a championship game for the Dodgers and Giants, you know, classic rivalry, you know, it's always one of the best in baseball and, um, Steve Finley hit a walk-off homer and he knew it as soon as he left his bat, hits it, throws both his fists up in the air and right away you hear this song play in the background, you know, and, um, you know, every time I hear the song, even though it's played at football games, um, just any base, really, really any professional game you'll go to, um, this is just a song that I know. Always, I always have a flashback memory, you know. And I think that's the greatest thing about sports is that we have songs, we have events, we have things that we tie back into that we hear and we're we. It takes us back. It takes us back to being a kid. It takes us back to remembering our childhood. You know what I mean? And just memories. And that's the big. That's my favorite thing about sports is that you can think back and know exactly where you were when Derek Jeter hit his last hit in Yankee Stadium. You know, or where you were for the three thousandth hit. Um, Yankees World Series. I'm just using, using Yankee events because I remember exactly where I was at those moments. Um, you know, and I feel like you have that for every single team. All you sports fans out there, regardless of football, baseball, you always remember where you were. Um, and that's what I love about sports. I think that's the greatest thing that although they're guys, they're grown men or women playing a simple game, you know, and getting paid to do it, it they, like I mentioned last episode, it's a, it's a way for us to detach from life and be able to you know take a greater meaning from it you know escape you know from whatever we're going through but i thought that would be 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 a good little story to tell you guys of why that song was playing why i chose that song for today's episode um and yeah just to let you guys know the things that i i went through you know i want this thing to be very honest and open you know and uh that's what i always give you every episode i give you guys my true feelings on certain topics try not to be biased at all and, uh, give you guys my honest opinion on a lot of things that are go on throughout the day or throughout the day, throughout the game of baseball. Um, but yeah, with that, we're going to get started with some lockout stuff. You know, where uh, there's a lot of things that have been passed recently, you know? Um, you know, we got just recently, we got, um, limiting the shift in MLB. We got bigger bags going to be implemented in 2023, a pitch clock implemented in 2023. And then, um, you know, as well as the universal DH, you know, they've already, um past that as well and i thought that was big for the game you know i talked about that in the past episode i thought that was big for the game i think it gives and will be a bigger market especially for the players you know and the exciting at bat so we're gonna get into all that today guys and uh, i'm excited for today's episode to let you guys know what i think um and see if you guys agree with it you know you may not you may do you may you may and you may not but you know that's the greatest thing about um a podcast, you know, there's something that a guy can say and you may completely disagree with it. But after they go through and explain themselves, you may see where you see common ground. You know what I mean? I think that's the biggest part in any discussion is always finding common ground and trying to see the other person's point of view. Um, and that goes for anything. Um But with that being said, we're going to go and get into this lockout. Um we'll be just extended their lockout to Tuesday. And, you know, they have until then to get a deal done to give – Major League Baseball hope at 162 game season. And for me, I think this is the thing for me, you know, um, with this whole lockout, you know, there, I had recently just found out that there was still a year on the existing Um, CBA agreement you know they could have been playing this whole entire they could have still had a spring training they could have still had a major league season they could have still had a lot of these things that we normally would get you know and they could be negotiating in the background while we're still playing baseball I think that would have been the right way to do it however the commissioner of baseball um, had other plans you know he said that he wanted to use this put it and we'll be in a lockout to gain a negotiation um, advantage you know, and try to, the way I look at it is that it's a punishment for them will be and the players, you know, and he's going to use it like he is right now, setting the deadline for Tuesday and hanging in that, oh, if you want 162 game season, you better agree to our terms and you better agree to what we have to pitch to you or else we're going to have to suspend another week. You know, like I think Manfred's playing this game and negotiating as a child. You know, I think he's not going about it the right way. You know, I mean. I, I've listened to some point of point of views. Uh, Rachel Luba, who's Trevor Bauer's um, agent, she's made some TikToks that I follow on online, and I've heard some of her point of view. You know, and she said that although we may be getting upset with these fifteen minute meetings, um, it really only takes five minutes to really put a good, strong proposal in front of the person you're negotiating with. You know, you can have a good faith proposal um, with someone in just five minutes. So, and a lot of their discussions um she said come from when you meet with teams or meet with your group that you're working with because that's I mean which makes a lot of sense to me because if you're working if you're working in a small group you're a lot of your discussions and you're bouncing ideas off one another, you know you're trying to get everyone's point of view across you're trying to hear everyone's side, and then once you do, you draw it up and you take it um to the person you're trying to present it to, and you, you pitch your idea. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't, which, of course, here we are today still. And it turns out they haven't liked anything that the MLB Players Association has had come up with. Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, so, and I. I mean, we've been in this lockout for months now, and I think the 15-minute meetings are kind of – pointless um you know even though she said what she says i get what she says but however if you're really to my eyes if you're really set of making a season work you know and this is not on the players association i think a lot of this has to do with the owners and our commissioner um i think it has to be do a large part on their end not necessarily the players end, um because he even came out and said the phone works both ways it's like no dude like banford said that um and in in my eyes i'm like no dude you're commissioner of baseball you know, take charge, take the initiative, and let's sit down, get the players' association in here, and let's knock out a deal. We've been in this lockout for months now, and there was a lot of t- a lot of those months there was no negotiating, no negotiating or talks even happening. Like, how are we gonna s- come back and set a deadline and say, hey? You have till Tuesday to agree to our terms, and we'll have a 162-game season. Like, no, you're the commissioner of baseball. This deal probably should have been done probably in December, in my eyes. Once the lockout was in, that's when we should have all—the Players Association, owners, everyone involved should have gotten in a room. If they really wanted this season to happen, have a full spring training, have a full season, they could have played on the ex- existing deal— And even before then, if they wanted to be in this lockout, then lock yourselves in a room, set a month towards it, and let's negotiate. Let's go back and forth, however long this takes. It could have taken a whole month. And so far, they've gotten a lot done in the past two weeks, meeting three times out of the week. As opposed to, we could have already had this done, you know, lock yourselves in a room. Set your, this is your guys' career, you know, and the owners need to see that this has an effect on the players association, you know, cause they're like, I mentioned there's three guys, three major free agents right now that do not have a job. You know, we can think back and be like, Oh, these players will be fine. They have their teams. They have, um, they might be getting paid throughout this whole process. I like, know, dude, like there are three key players that don't even have a team. You have Freddie Freeman, Trevor story and Carlos Correa who don't even have a team right now. And that's, and if we're going to get a deadline, and we suspend games. Like right now, the first uh, two series of the MLB season are suspended. How are we going to try to make an agreement and then have these guys hit the free agent market and be able to try to reach an agreement with negotiating, you know, hearing all the teams coming in, um, getting that agreement, final um, finalizing logistics, the contract, and then getting these players ready to go. We're looking at probably a whole month already of the season. Let's say we start it on time. They're not going to be there for that first month of season, I guarantee you, because there's a lot of things um, behind it that go into making that deal happen. It's not just finalizing a deal, um, you know, and then boom, they're there. No. There's a lot of things still behind the scenes that have to go get worked out. Physicals, um, logistics, you know, all these little things that, that go into finalizing the contract. And there's three guys that don't even have one. And, you know, I think it's crazy that we still don't have an agreement. Um, like I said, I think Manfred's handled this, handled this poorly, especially with the fact what he just said as far as setting the deadline for Tuesday and saying, hey, make uh, agree to our terms today and you can have a full season and we can get spring training started as soon as possible. Like, that's just uh, – to me, that's just – beside myself because it's like it shouldn't even have even had to come down to this you know and he's using it once again as a negotiation tactic trying to get his way trying to get the players to bite and give in um to not getting the terms that they want because of the players wanting a season you know what i mean they want a full length season they want to they they don't want to do a shortened season again and with him setting this deadline and saying hey 162 games if you agree to our terms today that's setting it and that's his way of negotiating and being like hey Take lesser terms and you'll get what you want type thing. And that's not okay with me. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about that the players are actually fighting for, which I think was good for the game. I think it's good for future players and stars of this league. Um, they're fighting for an earlier arbitration. They're trying to either get arbitration um, cut down a year to where you're able to make uh, get a new contract and then hitting arbitration the next time getting free agency. And you know, I think that's huge for the game of baseball, only because of the stars of the in the game that we have currently. And the two examples I'm going to use um, are Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge. Pete Alonso, as you guys may know, has won two home run derbies already in his span of, I believe it's four seasons he's been in the major leagues. In the span of four seasons, he in 2019, I'm sorry, no, he's played only three seasons. I stand corrected. So in 2019. Um, he had, pull up my notes real quick, in 2019, he, he made $555,000, and yes, I know, to us regular people that are not professional athletes, um, that does seem like a heck of a lot of money, you know, I'd be 100% okay with $555,000. Um, but like I tried to explain, um, I've had this conversation with my dad, and, um, I know I mentioned him a lot because me and him always have a lot of baseball talk. We have a lot of good discussions, but we sat down and we talked about this a little bit. And he was like, you know, I would, I would love to have 550, $555,000. And I'm like, yeah, I would too. But you know, the way you got to look at it is if he's a big fish, he's a is probably as all of us can probably agree on. He's the star, one of these stars for the Mets right now. And he doesn't get paid like he is, you know, he's made more money and winning his two home run derbies then he has his whole three mlb seasons and that shouldn't be a thing you know after coming off a, a rookie of the year award hitting 53 home runs and as one of the best young stars in the game he should be getting paid like one and you know he made 200 or 2 million dollars winning the Homer dirty derby in his two seasons. And he's made that total in his three MLB seasons. That shouldn't even be a thing in 2020. He made 241,000 in 2021. He made 676,000, you know? Oh, and like I said, you know, I explained this, I explained it this way to my dad, that if you're a busser or a manager at a restaurant, you know, if you're the manager of the restaurant, you're running the show, you're the, head honcho, everyone comes to you for questions, problems, whatever the case may be, right? Okay, let's say that as the manager, I'm getting the same pay and the same wage as the dishwashers that are in the back to cleaning the the restaurant. That shouldn't be a thing, and I think everyone that's worked in the restaurant industry or been a worker in general would understand that. And that's the way I kind of compare this, you know. You have your stars like DeGrom, you have your stars like Acuna, um... Albies, all these guys, and Pete Alonso is probably up there amongst the best young in the games, and he's not getting paid like one. Another guy I want to get into is Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge has been in the league now for four seasons, five seasons. I'm sorry. He's been in the league for five seasons, and he's been a rookie of the year and has won a silver slugger and has had great years in these past few seasons, You know, hitting upwards of 270, 280, 290, um, you know, but he and he does may strike out a lot, but I think a lot of us can under, can say that he is definitely one of the best young stars in the game. You know, when you look at the Yankees team, I mentioned like if without Judge or Cole right now, um, are the Yankees as dominant as what they appear to be? I'm not sure, um, but Judge is. Easily top 15 in the league. You know, I think I had him placed on my list at 13. If you want to, if you have yet to check out that top 10, go check it out. I talked about my top 10 players right now in the league or top 15 players, kind of, in my um, past episode. Go check that one out. Um, but listen to what he's been getting paid. You know, in 2017, after his rookie of the year campaign, a silver slugger, he made 544,000. Okay. 2018, the following year, had another great year. He made 622,000. 2019, he made 684000 And even in that span of time, like I had said, once he came up and he had the year he had in his rookie year and winning the rookie of the year um, and the Silver Slugger in the same season, he was already considered the top, young, one of the top young stars in the game. And just him now being able to hit arbitration and now five years later um, being able to hit free agency and get the money he deserves – it's crazy because he's been getting paid in MLB standards, basically nothing. MLB standards, remember, I'm not saying that this is worldly standards, but MLB standards, he's been getting paid nothing compared to best young stars in the game. Probably even better than, probably should be getting paid probably more than majority of the stars in the game because of the ceiling that he has. you know. And he's finally hitting arbitration. The Yankees are finally going to have to be paying him. I believe it's this next season because um, he hit arbitration last year. In which he made, um, I believe it was like fourteen million, which he finally got what he deserved. Um, now he's going to be getting arbitration too, to where he's going to get paid again, and then he'll finally hit free agency. Um, but I think it's good that these guys are fighting for that because I do agree that some of these guys should be getting paid more, you know, and they're trying to find a way to get these players what they deserve. Like I think, I think the, I think for me the biggest example is Pete Alonso um after winning two home run derbies having 34 home runs in 20 or having 16 home runs in 2020 and then last year hitting 37 and then his rookie campaign hitting 53 um he should be getting paid like one of the best young stars in the game and the fact that he isn't is just crazy and i think they're trying to find a way to get these young players their money that they deserve you know for the years that they have whether that be bonuses um you know, incentives or whatever the case may be. I think incentives is best way to go about doing it. If you hit a certain amount of, I think, I think incentives are great in any contract because it stri- it makes that player strive to be better every day and better for just throughout the whole year. You know, hitting an innings limit. You know, you're having to pitch a hundred innings minimum in order to get, um, you'd say a hundred, a hundred thousand more. Um, having this many strikeouts to get three hundred. 300,000 more. Um, If you hit this certain amount of home runs, you get 2 million, whatever, you know? And I think incentives is just the best way to go about it for these young guys because these young guys could have big seasons and then fall off the downslope, you know? They could have one breakout year and then the following year go down to being nothing. So what are we going to do in that aspect? Are we going to raise our contracts to match what they did do? Or are we going to pay these guys an incentive base to where we're able to pay them for the performance that they put out in the field. You know, in my, eyes, I think that's the best way to go about doing it. I don't know what the players association would think about that or what they're fighting for the terms of their um, agreement that they're trying to reach with the MLB right now. Um, But I think that's a good way to go about doing it. Um, I definitely think that's something that should be explored. Um, But with that being said, well, um, I'm going to lead in this next topic, you know, and with that being said, in this lockout, you know, we got injuries also. And what's crazy about that is that we, with all the injuries that happened in 2020, let me try to find my note on the injury, on the um, average incidence. Um, so in 2019, the average incidence, meaning injuries, um, per, for the year was 4, 49 and then in 2020, it jumped all the way up to 8.6 incidents, meaning injuries, um, at, like the league average, throughout every team. And that's kind of crazy to me. And, you know, I think if we continue to go on this path that we're going on, not be able to reach an agreement, it's just going to lead to more injuries again, you know. And, but, you know, and that, and it's not good for the game. You know, we had a lot of guys go down with injuries in 2020, a lot of guys get hurt. Um, due to either lack of, you know, build up, not having that spring training to get built up, you know, not having being able to be with your team, um, your team, oh, what was the word I'm looking for, your team, I guess physicians, uh, guys that take care of you day to day, getting that um, treatment every day, because um, you have to do a lot of this stuff at home, you know, and you, and it's not the same. I've mentioned that before. It's not the same as when you're doing it in game, and. Competing, you know, because there's that switch that turns on that takes your intensity to that very next level, and that's what a lot of guys are lacking. You're lacking that live A-B. You're lacking that intense bullpen. Although you may be able to take yourself to a certain standard when you're pitching, it's not the same. And I think that's one thing that we're going to be seeing in this next year, especially uh, even if we were to reach an agreement on on Tuesday, you know, the day of the deadline. I still think there's going to be injuries. I still think there's going to be a lot of guys that go down because of, you know, although we're barely going to be getting into spring training right now, you're still missing the whole month that a lot of guys get in there. You know, a lot of guys report when pitchers and catchers report, and that's the beginning of February, you know? So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of injuries again, if we continue this path, especially if we don't reach an agreement and then we get a second series um, canceled and we go into a two weeks now of, be, of cancellation of games. I think we're going to see guys fall. You know, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of six-man rotations. Um, and I would even pitch to even have an extended roster at that point because now we're going back to the 2020 season, you know, and we got to take stuff from there that ensures that these guys stay healthy. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, if you want to look at your longevity of players, I think guys really do have to look – I mean, teams really do have to look at trying to pitch for an expanded roster and keeping these guys healthy and six-man rotations, keeping pitchers healthy – uh, make sure they don't extend their um, arms any more than they are ready for, you know. And be it really comes down to just managing your team the best way you can. And that's one thing I think I can definitely see coming here in this next in the in the future if we don't get an agreement done. And that scares me because um, I don't like I said I hate to see injuries happen to people, if, especially if they didn't need to. Um, we could have avoided all this, and we could have easily been having a spring training a season right now. If, Manfred would have just done his job you know he's been in my eyes killing the game of baseball you know he's been doing and implementing a lot of things that he didn't need to and um and I chose to go show his leadership with this lockout you know laughing at interviews when we have yet to reach an agreement um if you really cared about this game of baseball and you really cared about making this the best pro sport in all everything out, better than NFL better than NHL better than everything you would care enough to be able to reach an agreement already right now and committed a whole month to it, two months to it and trying to make this thing work. But instead he wants to be a child and set deadlines and try to get his way and, um, make comments. The phone goes both ways and all this stuff, you know, and you know, not that I had much respect for the guy before, after the whole, how after he handled the whole Astros thing, um, with their whole cheating scandal and, um, all that stuff. But, Even more so now, and I think the whole entire fan base and players are fed up with Manfred. Um, and, And I wish something could be done. I don't know what has to be done to get another commissioner in baseball, but I think that's something that definitely has to be looked into and definitely something that the league has to take initiative in and trying to get something done to where we do what's best for baseball. And right now that's not it. With that being said, guys, now we're going to get into some of the rules that they've already passed, um, that I think can be good for the game of baseball, and things that can't that I think are just ruining the game of baseball. Um, I'm going to start out by talking about MLB limiting the shift. Um, excuse me, one second. MLB <laughs> decided to the players, players association, and the MLB agreed to limiting the shift and. This is something that I've heard both arguments of. Um, I've heard that people say, "Well, why don't they just learn to hit the other way?" I agree with that. Um, and then I've also heard the arguments of guys that have hit against the shift and you know and I and I think from my opinion, I think the shift has gone a little bit ridiculous for the days. I think everyone's probably seen it by now. Um, the whole Astros picture. Where you got Altuve basically out in right field, you have Correa out there. You have basically the whole entire infield shifted to the one side of the field, and leaving the whole left side open. You know, and yes, I get the whole put down a bunt and get a base hit that way. But you, it would be hard. some of you guys may it may be hard to believe that getting a bunt down. Um, when the ball is coming at you at 95, 92, 93, 94, however fast it's coming at you is kind of harder than you may think it may be for some guys, you know, and um, I agree with that aspect. I think that's the best way, and you've seen some guys do it. You've seen some guys put down a drag bunt down and be able to get a double off it because there's no one on the right, a left side of the diamond. Um, And I agree with that aspect, but I think there's a way to go about, I think it's good that they're limiting it. Because, like I said, some of those are outrageous shifts that I've seen pictures of. I think this could be good for the game, only because I think it can make things more offensive, and I think it can provide a more entertainment-based um, level to the game. And this is one of the things that they're trying to do is just make the game more entertaining. And for me, I'm a big, I, and I'll be the first to tell you, I'm a big fan of a zero-zero ball game all the way through the game. I love seeing a great pitchers matchup, and you know there are some fans out there that don't really care to see that. They like seeing these high scoring games, the five to three games, the five four games, the uh, three three games, the all these close ball games. You know, and I'm a big fan of that too. But I love a zero zero ball game. I love seeing pitchers get after it and being able to um, dice up a lineup. You know, both these guys going eight strong and then handing it off to their closer and seeing. Basically, which bullpen will crack first? You know, that's my favorite thing. You know, I loved seeing these extra inning games, these, um, you know, these grinded at-bats, you know, the important at-bats. That's one of my favorite things about baseball. I think it's what makes the game exciting to watch. Um, However, they're trying to grow the game and they're trying to make this game more appealing to the younger fan base and trying to get more people involved in baseball, and I can I can see where they're coming from with that. And I think the shift really does do, do that to the game because, you know, if you like a David Ortiz, he lost probably 25 to 30 hits. I would probably say a year due to the shift because that's all he ever did was pull the ball or hit the ball over the fence. And unless there was a runner on to prohibit him getting a shift done to him, um, you know, he would always still get a hit. And I think if it wasn't for that, he would have 25 to 30 more hits added onto his uh, lifetime average already. And that could have easily put his batting average a lot higher than what it is now, you know? And um, I think it's going to be good for the game of baseball. I, I like what, they, what they're what they doing with it. I like the limiting of the shift. They're not canceling out completely. And I've seen a lot of people say that they're doing away with that entirely. I, that's not the case. They are limiting it. And I think limiting to where These guys have to at least start in the dirt and then they're able to rotate however way they want to would be fine. Um, But second, the whole right side of the diamond is just ridiculous in my opinion. Um, I've always been a fan of just being able to play. Uh, I've always been a fan also of just playing it straight up. And I think I've read an article saying that um, Francisco Lindor wasn't a fan of the shift either. I think he was a big proponent of, you know, he said that he takes pride in covering ground in the infield and being able to cover the middle of the diamond, you know, covering that hole, covering the um, six hole, you know, and covering up the middle, that's something he takes pride in and being able to be have range. And um, I think that's what this provides, you know. It provides these filters to really showcase what they're able to do. And um, But, yeah, that's my whole take on the shift situation. I'm happy that they did it um, and limiting it and not banning it because I think there are some shifts that do kind of – Worked in a sense, um, but the outrageous stuff to where you have your second baseman shortstop playing right field and then having your third baseman playing up the middle slash playing short second base is just crazy. Um, Next thing they did and they added were bigger bags. Um, I think adding the bigger bags was good, and I think it's something – that they said that this is something that they've already tested out in the minor leagues, and – I didn't know that, you know, and I don't think a lot of us baseball fans knew that, you know. Um, They've added it in minor league baseball, and they already adapted there to kind of test it, and I think if it doesn't provide a huge difference in the game, and I, and I think this is only good for the game of baseball as far as a safety standpoint, because you've seen those plays to where um, runners will be going into first base, and their foot slips off the bag, and then it causes an injury to them, whether it be a, an Achilles pop or um a pooled me, or whatever case may be. Um, I've read that these bags are designed specifically for baseball to where they have an anti-slip surface. Um, the corners are harder. I believe it was like they have a stronger um, base to them to allow the push off for when you're advancing bases and um, they just provide more room for the runner. You know, you see a lot of first base collisions Um, You see a lot of things go down on the bases that could be avoided. You know, helps with base base path probably for second base. Um, You know, it gives you a little, a slight, a little bit more room to be able to find a spot to go into the bag and not be able to take the second baseman out. Um, For me, it's um, it's all about making the game safer, you know, and um, preventing guys from getting hurt. You know, and I think the bigger bag rule is something that could be good. Um, I think it's interesting to see how it's going to work out. Um, but I think it's just something that we're going to have to see. You know, I think these these two things right here are part of the game that I feel like are stepping in the right direction. You know, you're helping the game out. You're trying to make the game more exciting and safer for the not only the players, but as far as being a viewer standpoint. You're giving the longevity of these guys a little bit more time in the pros by just doing these simple things. Um, however, this next thing I'm not a huge fan of. You know, you're and they talked about implementing a pitch rule. You know, I believe it was 14 seconds with the runner on and 19 seconds with the runner. I'm sorry. Yeah, 14 seconds with a runner not on base and then 19 seconds with the runner on. And I was watching MLB Network the other day once this thing, once this was announced. And it was a breakdown with Chris Young and Dan Plesak. And they were going into it and they showed a game that happened back in the 80s. And they put a pitch clock and they were telling, they were saying how back in the 80s, those games used to go. Those were the day and age to where you would get the ball, get on the mound, go. You know, and even then they were still hitting twenty to twenty-one seconds and getting the ball and going, like and getting the pitch uh pitch call, you know. But limiting it to as short as you are just to make the game faster is just ridiculous to me. Because in my eyes, if you're going to a baseball game, you're going there to enjoy the atmosphere. You're going there to enjoy the game, watch the guys you enjoy watching. You're enjoying watching the stars, you're enjoying being there with family, your, your dad, your fam- your mom, your son, your daughter, whoever the case you may be, whoever you're with, you're there to enjoy the game. You don't care how long it takes, you don't care about what you have to do after. Now, although you do start playing dinner plans dinner in the seventh inning and what you want to go do after. However, that's not the point. <laughs> um, the point of the matter is, is that you're just there to enjoy the moment. You the, you paid this money to sit here and enjoy a Major League Baseball game, something that is a beautiful sight and something that a lot of people don't really every day get to enjoy. I love going to watch Major League Baseball games. I'm trying to do a trip with my dad to go see all 30 stadiums, um, as mentioned on a previous episode. And that's something I love, you know, because it creates memories with my dad that I'm always going to be able to have. I don't care how long it takes because those are timeless memories. Those are times that me and my dad are going to be able to talk about for days to come. Talk about ballparks that we love to go see. Um, our favorite ones, our favorite venues, our least favorite venues. Um, ballpark food. Um, you know, you name it. Like, those are just timeless memories. And being able to speed the game up just for a viewership standpoint. It's just ridiculous to me. If you don't in my eyes if you don't want to watch the game of baseball and enjoy it for what it is, then don't watch it. I'm sorry, but baseball is a beautiful game and it's meant to be played the way it is. You know, stop trying to change these things, implement these things to cater for the people that are just there to I don't know, take business people out, have something to do, I don't know, but if you're watching a baseball game, you're watching it for what it is, you know, and that's just my take on it. I don't like the pitch clock rule whatsoever, um, because if you think about it, if you're in a tight ball game, here we go. We got, we'll set the stage. We got bottom of the night, two outs, um, runners on, or we got bases loaded. Let's say we bring in, we bring in the closer, and we don't get, and we got a full count. We don't get the pitch clock off. And this is a decisive game to decide. Uh, let's say it's a wild card game to decide if we move on or not. And we don't get the pitch off in time by the pitch clock expiring. to walk off, walk. And that sends you back. That sends you packing. You're not. Your season's done, and that's what decided your fate. Not a pitch, not a hit, but a walk. Because you were not able to get the pitch off in the timely manner that the MLB wanted you to. As a fan, I would be absolutely heated, and as a player in a team, I know I would be livid as well because, to me, it shouldn't matter of how – I mean, I do think – same thing with the whole one-step-in thing that they implemented a few years back. I do think there are things that pitchers do um, that could take a little bit more time, you know, whether – but that's a whole thing about being a pitcher. Going back into that too, you know, I, myself included when I threw, um, there were times where if I got – Um, full count, you know, I would always walk to the to the back of the mound, take my time, try to clutch myself to be able to deliver the best pitch possible that I knew I was able to focus in and dial in on this pitch. I'd walk back there kind of, well, I didn't take long. I took maybe like a five seconds more than what I usually take on a pitch. Um, but I'd get in there, take a deep breath, gather myself and then wipe. I would swipe the mound to wipe off the last pitch. If I threw a ball move on to the next pitch that was my indicator um taught to me by one of my pitching coaches in high school is wiping off that pitch and moving on to the next one that's a way of getting a short-term memory um now you know psychologically um but I would do that you know I took maybe five seconds more it's not like I slowed down the game a ton um but you know everyone has their own little thing that they do to find their groove you know finds a focus point and Taking that away from, like I said, is just taking away from the game, and I don't like that we're trying to cater to guys that necessarily don't really care to be there and are just there to just be there, you know? Be Cater this game to the fans. Cater this game to the people that love watching the game day in and day out, the passion for the game, that love talking to it, you know, that know everyone on the roster, that, um, that have been watching this as kids you know generational thing do it for them stop implementing it for the people for the casual MLB fan do it for the people that live this thing day in and day out you know what i mean and i think the pit- the pitch clock is just just to bring more money in like anything else you know try to get the viewership numbers in and getting all that jazz going and i think it's kind of pointless um I know I sound kind of sad on that aspect because I am you know I think it's kind of, I think it really is pointless and I think it's something that the game necessarily didn't need and um but they already implemented it and we'll see how it goes um but I'm not happy about it and I think that Manfred is the sole focus of all that stuff and um like I said I guess we'll just see how it plays out that's all I really have to say about it I don't like it um but then again, I don't have any say in it so. I guess I just got to watch it and just shut up about it, huh? <laughs> anyway, guys, that's going to conclude a lot of the lockout stuff. I hope that um, that you guys liked what I had to say. Um, whether you agreed with it or disagreed, it, disagreed with it, let me know. Like I said, I'm always open to discussion. I'm always open to finding common ground on a lot of things and being able to talk about these things. Um, I'm excited to see the direction baseball is going to go if we're able to get a uh, end of a lockout soon um if we'll get the deal deal done with the deadline period set on tuesday we'll see um i'm excited to see what goes on um, but with that being said guys we're gonna jump right into the NOS breakdown this is another episode once again where we don't have ads, so we're able to get moving you know we're able to get these discussions done um be able to get conversations started and uh start my breakdowns you know um this was an interesting division this was a two-team race last year and a team that came honestly out of nowhere I have no idea where the heck the Giants came from. Um, this was a team where I was—I saw on every preseason report, you know, they were an eighty-win team. They were going to finish third in the division behind the Padres and the and the Dodgers um, after the off seasons that they both had. And getting Bauer, getting Darvish, getting uh, Blake Snell, getting the the rotation that they have. Um, you know, they were they were the picks to win in the division, and here the Giants were. You know, filled with a team that. I mean, let's be honest. That well didn't have a lot of stars on it. You know, they they did not have a star-studded lineup. They did not have a star-studded team at all, to say the least. And the fact that they went out and did what they did was just—I tip my hat to them. I tip my hat off to them because I think they did a good job and playing above expectations. You know, these critics can say what they want, but at the end of the day, you're the one that go has to go out there and play a game every day. And the Giants went out and did that. You know, they they won this division by having 107 wins and 55 losses followed by the Dodgers, who had 106 wins with 56 losses. Padres finished third at 79-83. The Rockies finished with 74-87. And then in dead last, we have the Arizona Diamondbacks that were 52-110, and which is crazy to think about. <laughs> to think about you lost 110 games, golly, that's just crazy to me. Um, but like I said, this division is this division's very interesting. Um, we're going to start off this breakdown with the Arizona diamondbacks. And I think this team's interesting. You know, there's, I think I still see a lot of holes breaking down this lineup. You know, you got, um, Josh Rojas at third base, Kentel Marte, um, Don, uh, Varsho, Christian Walker, David Peralta, Carson Kelly, Seth Beer, uh, Pavin Smith and Nick Ahmed. In this lineup in general, I do see a lot of upgrades that I would love to go and do. um, like, the shortstop position, I would go to l- love to go and upgrade from a Nick Ahmed. Although he does have a pretty solid glove, I would say, at shortstop. He's just not giving you anything at the plate. You know, he has a 221 average with a 288 on base percentage. Um, there's just not much production there. Um, I would also go and, you know, I think one—oh, at catcher, I would also like to upgrade from Casser, at catcher from Carson Kelly, who's um, bad at 240. Um, but I think the biggest thing here, um, to look at as the, as I look at this Diamondbacks thing is what they're going to do with Kento Marte. I heard his name pop up a lot in this last trade deadline. Um, a lot of teams are interested in him. So I'm interested in seeing that once this lockout ends, are they going to move on from him? Are they going to go and trade and see what they can give for him? I think it's something that they, they can definitely do. Um, I think it's something they can definitely look into and be able to get a good return for him because he's a guy that batted 318 last year, had 14 bombs, and he's a versatile player. You know, we mentioned before, he can play the outfield and the infield. You know, he provides a lot of versatility to a lot of teams that can use it. Um, be a utility guy. And um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it with uh, Marte if they decide to move on from him. Uh, moving on to this rotation, you got the frontliner, you got Mad Bum, you got um, at the number two, Zach Gallen. Um, Merrill Kelly at three, Luke Weaver at four and Dan Straley at five. Um, this lineup is, like I said, a iffy also, um, I don't see Mad Bum as that ace pitcher anymore. I don't see him, um, as a frontline starter. Um, so I think bringing in someone that can frontline this rotation would be huge for the D backs. Um, whether that be a prospect they bring up or whatever the case may be, I think that's something that. Um, it's definitely a hole to be filled here. Um, I don't think they would go after a big market starting pitcher um, that's out there right, that, and right now like a Carlos Rendon. I don't see that happening, I just don't see the fit. Um, I feel like if you're going to spend money like Car- on Carlos Rendon, you're going to need to be competitive and I think you are looking for that guy that can back in. that, Not necessarily back in but be that 3-4 guy for you or even be the number 2 if you really need it and you think your 2 guy best fits as a number 3. Um, bringing in that lefty. I think that's what Rendon is. And I don't see them necessarily needing to add a guy like that. Um, I think they just need to bring up, if they have a young prospect they like, bring him up, give him a shot. I talk about that six-man rotation coming into play with injuries um, for COVID year. uh, Or, sorry, not for COVID year, for this next season. If we continue to have this lockout and extend um, this deadline, and push back season, I think a six man rotation is what definitely makes sense. Um giving a guy that a young guy an opportunity to come up and prove himself. I think that's something that is definitely interesting about um if we continue this deadline, giving guys shots, you know, and I think that's definitely something the D backs can definitely do. Um because the only guy that I really can see potential from is Zach Gallon. Um he pitched 121 innings, had a four point three zero ERA and twenty-three starts. And I think that's the only guy that really jumps off the page for me that has a lot of potential to be a guy for the Diamondbacks. Um I don't like I said, I don't see Mad Bone being that frontline guy anymore. Um I think he's nearing the back end of that career. Um so I think a rotation arm is definitely something they can always use as well. I just don't know what um or who they can necessarily go get. Um and then going into this bullpen, you got Melanson, you got Caleb Smith, you got Noe Ramirez. Um, you got some guys on this in this bullpen that have shown light. You know, you got Mark Melanson, who had a great year this last year. He had a 2.3 ERA, 39 saves, and 64 and two-thirds innings. Um, that's a solid guy to have closing out ballgames. You know, he's proven himself, and he's shown to be a solid closer in the MLB. Um So we, we'll see what else he's able to do. Um, I like Noe Ramirez. He had a 3.0 last, uh, ERA last year in uh, 36 innings. I think that's a guy that's going to have another good year and have a great continue to have a great season. Um but we'll see. Like I said, I think there's a lot of holes in this team it's just kind of a question on what they're going to do. You know, I like, you know, you need a bullpen arm. I'd love to see another bullpen arm in this in this ro- um here I'd love to see another arm out of the rotation. You got holes in your lineup that I think need to be addressed. Um with David Peralta being 34. Yeah, Christian Christian Walker, how longer how much longer are you going to Deal with him. What are you going to do with him? And then you got Marte. Are you going to trade him? Are you going to keep him? Um, you know. And then you got Nick Ahmed, who where you can upgrade a short shortstop. You know, there's just a lot of question marks. I think with the Steaks team, that you need to address as a general manager. I think there's things that you can go in here and take a look at and just be like, hey, I think it's time we either move on from him or we trade him. You know, try to see what you can get, bring in young guys. Um, you know, and we'll be ready, guys. You know, I don't know. But I think this team is definitely – I would love to see this team get back to where they used to be. Um, I just think it's just going to take a little while for them to get there. Um, but I do think that there is a there is someone that fits in in this, this lineup that I think can definitely give them a boost. And that's um, their prospect, number nine prospect, uh, Gerardo Predamo. He's a shortstop. And you talk – like I said, we're talking about guys that fill holes, and I think he fits right in there at that shortstop spot in the minor leagues. He's a switch hitter, and he's been in the car- a career two sixty seven hitter in the minors with a three ninety seven on base percentage. And you know, according to scouts, he's the most and will be ready guy in the farm system. Um, he's considered one of the best defensive defensive guys in their farm system and throughout the whole major leagues. Um, so I think that's a guy that can win a job and be able to come up this season and come up and play a role for the D-backs you know give them that boost at the plate um as well as defensive defensively and be able to build a solid infield there with Marte Rojas and then if you bring up Perdomo, and then now you got Christian Walker as well you know I think that although you still have holes throughout that infield and throughout this team that gives you a little bit of a boost and a little bit of youth um on that on the, in this lineup so that's my take on the Diamondbacks. I think they still are a long ways away from being competitors. But, you know, I think they have a lot of talent there. You know, it's just a matter of if they play up to that expectation or if they decide to fall, you know. and uh, But I don't see them as division winners as of right now. Um, but we'll just see. I think they're a very interesting team and in seeing what they're able to do or what they will do. Um, with that being said, now we're going to lead into the Rockies. You know the Rockies finished fourth at seventy four and eighty seven. They they're losing Trevor Story. You know they lost Trevor Story. They lost John Gray. Um, you know, I, in my eyes, I don't think it was a huge loss. I don't think it's something that you can hang your hat on. You know Story, yes, he was one of your franchise guys, but I think it was time to move on from him and just start developing. You know, I talk about um, moving on from your guys, and if they're you know, I want this team to get back to what they used to be. You know, back when they had their cargo, they're too low. Matt um, Holiday, you know Todd Helton, um, Nolan Arenado. I want them to find a good core of guys that can be these guys, those guys for them in Colorado, and I think they have a good foundation um, here already. You know, you got Tapia, you got Rogers, you got um, McMahon. I think those are three guys that are twenty five to twenty eight years old that can definitely provide you with some youth. You know, and you've got Sam Hillard. You know, he. Didn't have the best year last year, but he's 28 years old. And I think you just got to build around your young guys, you know, and try to get a winning foundation in here to give you guys a sense of a winning culture. Because I think that's big. And you got to have young guys that are wanting to drive and be be driven to produce and prove people wrong. Because young guys love to be proven, told that they can't do something, and they're going to go out and do it. I'll tell you what. And I think that's just any competitor. Um, But – I think they just need to build and bring in guys and try to build around this young core that they already have. Um, looking at this rotation, you got Jermon Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Antonio uh, uh Austin Garber, and Pete Lambert. Um, I like this rotate. I eh, I don't want to say I like this rotation. I think this rotation is okay. Um, I think Marquez is going to have a better year than what he had last year. Um, Gomber had flashes of being really good. So those are probably the only two bright spots I see in this rotation. I think they can use another another arm, um, but we'll see if they decide to do that. I don't think they're going to be buyers. I also don't think they'll be sellers. I think they're just going to kind of hold on to these guys and just kind of see what they do. Um, this rotation, same thing. I think they have some bright spots in this rotation. You got Robert Stevenson. Um, he's 29. He had a 3.13 ERA with 46 innings thrown last year. And then you had uh, Gilbert, 3.38 ERA with a 42 42 and two-thirds innings thrown. Um, So they got definitely some flashes here in this bullpen that I think could be really good. Um, I think they're a long ways away from being competitive as well. But this Rockies team, I think, has pieces. You know, I really love Brendan Rodgers. I think that's a guy you really got to dive into and build a foundation around and um, bring up some young guys that you have in your farm system to come up and prove themselves. Um, I know I say that a lot on this team, but for me, I think that's a big thing is bringing up homegrown talent, you know, trusting your player development staff that they did their job in making these guys and will be ready. I think that's the most important thing. And um, Brendan Rogers definitely got to build around, you know, he had 284 last year with a 3.28 on base percentage and he's, he's only had two years of service. So you're going to have him for another three, two to three years. So let's try to make those the two to three years that you can be competitive, you know, and I think I have a guy here. Um, that come up and help them. You know, we got Harris Montero, who's the first base, who is listed as the number four prospect, who's a first base uh, slash third base in my listing. Um, I have him listed that way because scouts say that the verdict on him seems to be that he has his arm to stay at third base. It's just a matter of if he has the feeling, the ability to stay at third base. You know, they could see him moving over to play first. And, you know, I think that could fit for him as well. Um, but he's he has the arm to stay at third base. And if they decide to do that, I think you can slide um Rodgers over to short second base and have McMahon play shortstop and then be able to slide Montero over to third. That shapes up your whole entire infield to where you have a young foundation in the infield that you can build around. You know, you still got CJ Crone there, who's thirty-two years old, and is still performing pretty dang well. He's he's hitting two eighty-one last year, he had twenty eight homers. So it's a matter of what you view and how you view it. Um, But I think that can definitely be a a possibility. And if that doesn't work out, then, you know, basically, you know, you put him out first base and this info basically stays the same. You know, you still got Hampton there. Um, McMahon stays at third. And then you've got Brandon Rogers over there at second base. Um, You just got Montero playing first base. Um, But I think he has a lot of potential. I think – it's very interesting to see what they decide to do with him. Um, he's shown Floss as being a good hitter, but his his primary thing is him hitting defense. I, I think he's a guy that can come up and help this team out a lot. Um, we'll just see if they do that or if they decide to stick with this core that they have now. Um, Hampton's 27. McMahon's 27. Um, like I said, Crone's 32. And then Rogers is only 25. So... You know, you have a lot of guys that are yet to hit their 30s. Um, I think they have a young core here that they can try to build around. and um, But we'll see. I am excited to see what this Rockies team does and if they decide to buy, buy all in and be able to make this team competitive again. And But with the guys that they have in front of them, I don't. You know, it's very hard to see them actually going out and do that right now until they see themselves actually being able to put the money in front to go catch up with the guys like the Padres, Giants, and, and – Dodgers because those guys, those three teams I just listed are all willing to spend the money to go out and put the, the team that they need out on the field, you know. And until you feel like you're able to do that, I don't see them really buying in and doing that. I think their best option is just to um, build from within and just see what they have there before going out and buying guys that may not necessarily be, a, be the best fit. Um, with that being said, we're going to jump right into the Padres. The Padres won 79-83 last season, uh, finished third. You know, there was a lot of hope for this team. Um, there was a lot of hope going in the offseason because they had just started uh, added guys to this rotation. You know, you added Musgrove. You added Darvish. You added Blake Snell. You have Clevenger. Like, on paper, this rotation is legit. You know, given Clev was hurt last year, this rotation is still really dang good, you know, and you know you were really disappointed in seeing what the type of performance they put out there because you expected them to be front runners. You expected them to be the guys to beat, the guys to dethrone the Dodgers for the um, division, the for the division. And yet they didn't. They fell under and they did not perform the way that the, you thought they would. Yes, injuries did play a role in that, but I mean you can't put it all on the injuries and the rotation because if um, you look at their ISO percent, their ISO rate ranking, which is the team's ability to count. Um, team's ability to get extra base hits they ranked 23rd in the league and then if you look at their slugging percentage they finished 21 in the league i'm sorry they finished yeah 21 in slugging and they finished 23rd in home runs which is odd when you look at this lineup and you see guys that machado cronesworth uh tatis hosmer myers like you have these guys in this lineup that are capable of hitting the long ball so for a team that has this much power and this much ability to have production in the lineup why are we finishing low in major league baseball why are we ranking 21 23 in major league baseball that just shouldn't be happening um, i think one thing i think when i was looking over and doing my notes i think the one thing that makes a lot of lot of sense for this team and now that you have the universal dh at your disposal sorry disposal um I think Nick Castellanos is a guy that makes a lot of sense for this ball club. I think he's a guy that can come in here, play DH, play the field, whatever role you need him to play, and be able to be productive. You know, you bat him in between. Let me give you an idea of what this lineup could look like. Okay? You got Trent Grisham at your leadoff spot. You got Tatis Jr. at the two. Okay? Then you got Jake Cronesworth, Machado. If you were to slide Nick Castellanos probably here at the five. Okay, you have him DHing, playing the outfield, whatever you want him to do. You have him here at the five. Then you got Will Myers. Then you got, you know, Profar. You know, you have a lot of these other guys. You got Austin Nola. You have these guys that are all capable of hitting, and you plug him into this lineup. That I think he just fills a role in this lineup that need, that is deadly, really, really needed. You know, he provides that home run. He gives you that home run power. He's able to hit for a pretty decent average. I can see him probably hitting anywhere 260, 270, which can give this ball club a jump, give you guys some run production, because you need more impact from these guys that you're counting on. You know, I think the one thing that you got to question also is Eric Cosmer. You know, is he going to be able to continue to give you what he's given you? You know, and you're bought in on him right now. Um, Is he going to continue to hit, you know, he's hitting 270 right now, but is he going to be able to continue to do that? He's had. He's been up and down, you know, throughout the year. Um, so I'm, you know, and he's not giving you much at the power rate as far as him being able to hit the long ball. You know, he only hit 12 uh, twelve home runs last year, which, let me look back at this real quick. Yeah, 12 home runs and in, in the 2020 season, he hit nine after coming off, you know, 20 home run seasons prior. And, you know, he's been a very good hitter and a very good presence in the Padres lineup. But I think you need more from, him. I think you, this is the guy that you need him to take that next step and being able to be that older veteran guy. Cause he's 32. He's the oldest on the ball club. As far as that lineup goes, Um, you need him to step up and in, in a big way and be able to take these younger guys and take them places where, you know, get him to that Royals mentality, that championship mentality that he once came from. Um, You know, uh, that's my take on this lineup. I think adding Nick Cassianis is going to be, if they can go out and get him, fill that DH role, play the outfield, I think that's going to be a big get for them. And then going into this rotation, you know, I think on paper they're still really dang good. You got Joe Musgrove, you got Hugh Darvish, you got Blake Schnell, Mike Clevenger. The only question mark for me would be what you're going to get from Clev. Are you going to be able to get the old Clev when he was in Cleveland, the crafty guy that has good juice on his fastball? Are you going to be able to get that guy? Because if you are, then this rotation is going to be solid. You know, I need Darvish and Snell to have better years than they did. Um, Blake Snell needs to go back to having a year like he did with the Rays. You know, I need vintage Texas U -U Darvish. I need those guys to step up in order for the Padres to be able to take that step in the direction and be able to go up. Um, I think that's going to be huge for them. Um, So we'll see what we get from this rotation. I think on paper they're really good. I don't see any holes that you need to fill there. This bullpen is I think pretty dang good still still, uh, still good. You know, you got um you got Pagan, you got Lamette, who are two solid guys. I believe Lamette even had some games starting if I'm not mistaken. I thought he was a starter. Fangraphs has him listed as a bullpen guy, but I thought he was a starter. Yeah, see? So in, in 2021 he started Oh, he only started 9 games. It was 2017 where he was a starter. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then 2020 started. Yeah. He was a starter for them in 2020. He had uh, started, played in 12 games, started 12 games and had a 2.09 ERA. And then last year he played 22 games and that only started nine. So that's kind of a question mark for me after a guy being a starter. Maybe his, maybe they felt like his arm couldn't handle being in a big league rotation. I don't know. That's kind of interesting to me because I thought he was a starter. Um, so I guess we'll see what he does in the bullpen. Um, you know, a lot of the time if a guy goes from being a starter to a bullpen arm, just sometimes this stuff even elevates and is throwing a little bit harder because now he knows he doesn't have to conserve more and keep more in the tank in order to give you those big innings. You know, they can go out and leave it on the line, you know, give you two, three innings by mixing the in and out, in and out, throwing a breaker, um, the changeup. up. Um, so we'll see. I think Lamette could be a good ad for them in the bullpen if they really decide to stay true to that and keep them there. Um Pagan and Lamek could be guys to watch in that bullpen. You know, you got Luis Garcia, um, who had a 3.24 ERA last year in 33 innings. Um, so this this bullpen, I think, is going to be just fine. And then you have Drew Pompez still, who's injured right now, who had a um, torn flexor tendon. He'll be coming back. Um, that's going to be another guy to add to that bullpen. So I think this Padres team is going to be nice. I think Nick Cassianos is a guy that really does need to get out of this lineup to make it very, very interesting. Um, so that's my only takeaway for the Padres is just adding Nick Castellanos and adding a big bat to this road, to this lineup. I keep wanting to say rotation, adding a big bat to this lineup and being able to give this team that boost that they need. Um, that's my only takeaway from the Padres. Now we are going to jump. Oh, sorry. forgot to even do a prospect watch. So my prospect to watch for them, um, I talk about doing a six man rotation. I think that's going to be huge for them because they have a guy that can easily use it. And that's McKenzie Gore, the left-handed prospect they have. Um, since being in the minors, he's posted a 2.85 ERA and has, frankly, probably one of the highest lay kicks I've seen since D-Train, um, Dontrelle Willis, and El Duque Orlando Hernandez. This guy has a really unique pitching um, lay kick, which has worked for him up until this point. Like I said, he has a 2.84 ERA, so if it works, it works, you know. Got no question marks there. Um, but I think he's a guy that you can bring up and be able to give you give you that six-man rotation spot, you know. Was Clev coming off an injury? Maybe if he's feeling sore, you give him that spot start and Clev spot, allowing Clev to take that time, take your time with him. You know, get him back. Don't rush him back. Um, Get him ready to go, and so he can be actually a guy for you as a guy, as opposed to a guy that's just going to be injured the whole entire time. Um, Allow Gore to be able to piece together innings for you. Um, I think that's going to be a big thing in bringing him up. Let him use that six-man spot. He has a 92 to 96 hour fastball, hard breaking balls that sits mid 90 or mid 80s and then has a good curveball. And then he has a sinking changeup. You know, if he's a, he has a good four-pitch mix. Um is able to keep guys off balance. I think he's a guy that the Padres desperately need to bring up, especially in their situation that they have, like I mentioned with Clev, Um and allowing him to just play a role, you know, he's long overdue, I think for his major league um Appearance, and I think they've kept him out for longer than what they needed to. Um, I think they were just trying to make sure that he was fully developed and ready for the big show. And for me, I think he is, and I think that's a guy that in the long run is going to help you and is definitely going to give you those innings that you're looking for. Um, so with that being said, sorry, i got a drink of water here. Um, with that being said, we're going to jump into the Dodgers, you know, the the drugonauts of the NL West, the guys that win it seems like every year. Um, you know, we got the Dodgers. They won one oh six and fifty-six. Um, finished behind the Giants in the division that came down to the very end, you know. Um, you know, but this lineup is just so dang good. Gosh dang. Look at this lineup. You got Mookie Betts, all star, Trey Turner, all star, Justin Turner could be an all-star, Max Muncie, all star, Will Smith, all star, Chris Taylor. Could be an all-star is just basically a role guy, has good contact, creates, plays a role on the team. Cody Bellinger, although down year last year, all-star. AJ Pollock, used to be an all-star. Gavin Lux, question mark. Um, Don't know where you're going to get from Gavin Lux, and I'll get into that a little bit here. Um, then you go into this rotation, Walker Buehler, all-star. Um, You got so many star-studded guys in this lineup and rotation to where it's just kind of unfair, you know. Um. You know, this lineup is really, really good. I love this lineup every time I get a chance to watch them play. Um, like I said, the only question mark for me is Gavin Lux. Um, he had 242 last year, had a three twenty-eight on base percentage. I think he's got to take a step up for me, in my eyes, because he's been a prospect for the Dodgers. He was a top prospect in the Dodgers organization for a long time, and he was a guy that they relied on to be that next guy to step up and be someone for him, and I think he's been a disappointment up until this far. Um, if I'm a dot, if I'm looking at him from a starters front office standpoint, um, you look at what he's done. The times he's been up in the majors, he hit in 23 games and 82 plate appearances. He hit 240, okay, and that was in 2019. 2020, he played 19 games, 69 plate appearances, hit 174 or 175. Last year, played oh, dang, dang near a full season, Had a, played 102 games, 381 plate appearances, hit 242. So if I'm looking at him as a front-office standpoint, I really need him to take off and get going. Or else I'm going to sell high on him and try to find someone that is going to come in here and be a role guy. Because this Dodgers farm system, I think, is pretty dang good. And I think there's guys in the wings ready to take his job. So it's just a matter of Gavin Lux can take that step up. He's still 24 years old. You know, and um, I think it's guy that uh, the Dodgers are putting all their chips, uh, like they're putting all their eggs in one basket, and hoping that he does good because they need him to be good. They have a lot of guys also coming off a of contract. You know, um, I talk about Lux needing to take that step up. You know, you got AJ Pollock that's going to be in a player option. You got Max Muncie that's in a club option coming up. You got trade or uh, not trade Turner, Justin Turner that's on a um, kind of like a performance based. Um, contract to where if he's, he hits really good like he always has, he's going to get that extra year. And then in the and then you got Trey Turner coming up um, on expiring deal as well. A belly a Belly soon to follow, and so is Urias. So you have a lot of guys coming up um, that are going to be expiring deals. You know, and you know a lot of these guys I think they probably will sign back, such as a Trey Turner, um, a Max Muncie, Bellinger. Obviously, they're going to be signing back. But with that being said, also. You know, there's been talk about Freddie Freeman coming over to L.A. and filling that role, which I think could fit. I think Freddie Freeman fits in this lineup really well. You put Freeman over at first base. Then you slide Max Muncie over to second. You got uh, Trey Turner at shortstop. And then you got Justin Turner at third. You know, that that lineup would sound really, really good. You know, and then you put um, Chris Taylor out in the outfield. And then you got Pollock, and then uh, either you play Belly, or you put Del- Belly at DH. You know that's uh, that lineup in general would just be really, really good. Um, but with that being said, that kind of leads me in my next discussion about this team: are the are the Dodgers really going to be willing to pay the money that it's going to take to bring Freddie Freeman in? You know, you got your World Series that you won in twenty twenty, even though a lot of people, especially on the West Coast, may give you Dodger fans crap for it because they call it the Mickey Mouse World Series or whatever. Hey, if it was the Yankees that won the World Series, I'm wearing that thing as if I won a World Series. I don't care which way you, you shape it. You won a World Series. You beat out the best of the best and ultimately took it home. So don't let anyone guys fa- anyone fault you guys for that. Um, but, you know, although Freddie Freeman would be a big fit and a good fit here for the Dodgers, I wonder if you kind of don't go after him. Because you got a lot of expiring deals and that's going to be a lot of money. You know, even if they do extend the luxury tax, you know, you're going to be on that brink to where you've already paid fines in the past for you being over that luxury tax threshold. Are you really willing to take on Freddie Freeman and possibly going over that threshold again and letting those fines build up to where you're going to be losing money at that point, even though you got the guy you want over here at first base, is he worth you? Being over that luxury ta- that luxury threshold and being able to pay these fines, you know, on a lot of these players, because like I said, you're gonna have to pay Trey Turner if you want to keep him. You're gonna have to pay Max Muncy. You're definitely gonna have to pay Bellinger, unless he doesn't have a big year and hits a f- one, uh one sixty five again. Then maybe not. Maybe you won't pay Bellinger. Um, but I highly doubt that the Dodgers wouldn't do that. That they definitely would pay him. Um, you know, and you have a lot of young guys, you know, on this team um that you're gonna have to pay and i haven't even mentioned walker bueller you know bueller and yuri is gonna have to get paid so although you i just don't know i i think it's a big question mark for me on whether or not they should go buying on freeman um like i said i'm i do this unbiased. you know as i would i don't want the dodgers to go and get him don't get me wrong i don't want the dodgers to get freddie freeman at all i like him to go anywhere else but la but um, unbiased, I, mean, I think he's a great fit here. I think he would fit really well in this lineup. I think he's a guy that gives his daughters lineup. That's already good. Takes them to great and makes them kind of the unstoppable type lineup. Um, on paper, at least, especially if Bellinger comes back and hits at a higher average than what he did last year and goes back to being his MVP caliber self. Golly, this lineup's going to be really, really good and very hard to stop. Um, so I just don't know. That's my only question mark really with this Dodgers team is um, whether or not they should go after and get, you know, Freddie Freeman. Um, I look at this rotation. You got Walker Buehler, uh, who is the ace outright, and I agree with that. You got Julio Urias, good, should be there. You know, you got Tommy uh, Gonsolin, you know, he needs to step, take that extra step forward. You know, he had a good year last year. He had a 3.23 ERA in 50, 55 innings. we we'll want to see him have another great year and be able to play that number three rotation guy really well. The question mark for me, why the heck did you bring in Andrew Henny That guy, I think, in the last run with the Yankees did not prove to get a contract again in the major leagues. And the fact that the Dodgers were like, oh, yeah, we'll go pay you. Like, why? Like, I have not seen him perform to the type of caliber to where he should have even gotten a, a contract, honestly. Every time he went out there for the Yankees, he got absolutely rocked. Um... You know and they have him right now and fan graph slated as the number four starter which is really sad to me I really hope that you don't rely on him being your number four guy um, he had a 583 ra last year and 23 starts and had a, only threw he threw 129 innings um he got hit 130 times in those innings um I wonder how many I wonder if this thing tells me how many of those were long balls I doubt it will but Gosh, it seems like every single time I watch this dude throw, it was just a home run after home run after home run after home run. Um, it doesn't give me those advanced numbers, unfortunately. I wish it did, because I'd really love to know how many of those he gave up. Nope, doesn't give me that. Alrighty, so we're just gonna move on for that. But I was just a question mark for me. I was really hoping I could find something on him that would have shown me that. He was just disastrous last year because, in my eyes, he was, especially with him, when he was with the Yankees. Um, I didn't like that we traded for him. I thought he was a very questionable pickup when we picked him up at the deadline. Um, But rounding out this rotation, you got David Price. You're going to need him to be the David Price of old if you're going to continue to pay. I mean, you guys are paying half his contract, and luckily he comes off the books next year. That's going to be huge for you guys because you guys have been taking on that that contract this whole entire time, and for him to come off the books is going to be big. It's going to free up some money. Um. But like I said, with so many expiring contracts, you know, you can only take so much off. Um, this bullpen's good. I really like this bullpen. I think you got – I liked the Tommy Canley ad. I loved him when he was in New York. He was probably one of my favorite levers to come out and watch throw. Um, so I'm excited you guys got him. I think he's going to be a big ad for you guys. Um, this bullpen is really, really good. I th- I can see them continuing to stay good. The biggest thing for me too is that you guys are going to have Dustin May coming back probably after the All-Star break. Um I've read reports saying that he's gonna come back and actually just be a bullpen arm. He's not gonna be in the rotation. Um and you guys getting him back at the all star break is gonna be big because then he adds just another boost to this already good bullpen. Um he's gonna provide you a guy that can give you, you know, maybe that starter type role and that guy that can um come in and just give you innings, you know, whether you need him to mop up an inning, mop up a game or Give you key innings, he's gonna be that guy, you know, setup guy that can give you eight nine, uh, give you that seven, eight, and then get you the um these uh is it Thielen? I don't remember how to say his last name. That dude's just nasty. That guy has so much break on his ball, his breaking ball. If you've yet to see that guy pitch, go out and look at his highlight film. That dude is basically throwing wiffle balls out there. He is so nasty. Um, but I'd be a good guy to bridge there. Um another guy you guys potentially could have back coming back to is Trevor Bauer. You know, after all the things that he went through, he was found um, not guilty. So it's so right now he doesn't have any charges on him. It's just a matter of if the MLB is still going to suspend him, um, which I kind of can see the MLB doing something like that. Um, depending on how many games he's suspended, he probably would appeal it and probably get shortened down to a couple more uh, to less games. So he would be able to come back and start, and that's going to be a b- add to this rotation as well. Um, that would give you guys a solid four starters. Um, at that point, I would say you probably could bump a Henny or a Price out of your rotation. Um, depending on who's doing kind of the worst at the time is who you'd probably bump out for him. I know watching his vlogs, I'm, i I always keep up for Bowers vlogs pretty much just because I like to see, I like what he's doing with the game. He's trying to grow. He's trying to make it more, uh, fan friendly. You know, he does those vlogs of where he goes to the stadium every day, you know, his everyday routine. Um, I think it's really cool to watch. I really love that he's doing that for the game. Um, Alex Bregman was the first guy that kind of started doing it, obviously, for obvious reasons. I stopped watching him because I didn't respect the whole Astros situation. Still don't. Um, but, you know, I really like what he's doing and what he how he's doing it and uh, growing the game, you know, giving you guys insights, you know. Um, his breakdowns, like I mentioned before, he does uh, – Pitching breakdowns, why he throws this to a player or what he looks for after he throws the pitch or whatever the case may be. He, it's, a, it's a great way for young um, baseball players to go and learn, you know, from an MLB guy. And I really love what he does um, from the baseball aspect of growing the game, you know. Um, you know so we'll see. You know, I think that's going to be a big add for uh, adding Bauer to this rotation when he comes back. Um, one guy I do have to watch um you know, with the whole Gavin Lux thing, the question mark up in the air with him, what's he going to do? Um, I think a guy that could come up is Michael Bush, who's the number three prospect for the Dodgers. He's a second baseman. And like I said, with Lux, you not knowing what he's going to provide. You have a guy in the minors that last season in A Tulsa hit two sixty seven, had a three eighty six on on-base percentage with 21 homers. And um, they believe him to be like a Max Muncy type player that can kind of play a little bit of everywhere, hit the ball, hit the long ball, and is able to provide really good offense for you with a really good glove. And, you know, if you have a guy weighing the wings like that, that's got to scare a guy like Gavin Lux, you know what I mean? Because he can easily be shipped out in a hurry if he doesn't step it up, and he really needs to to save his job in my eyes. That's the one key component, as well as Bellinger having getting back to his MVP-type season, hitting um Upper two hundreds, maybe even threes, with the high home run um, numbers. You know, I, th- I think a lot of things with Bellinger. I think he just had a lack, a lot of discipline. Um, I need to go back and watch some of his at bats because I think a lot of it was just swinging at bad pitches and just doing, trying to put too much pressure on himself. You know what I mean? And um, so I think if the do- I think the Dodgers are going to be the front runners, uh, if not my division winners for this uh, division. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I'm excited to see what this uh, this Dodgers ball club will do. What, how they handle the whole Freddie Freeman situation, as well as being able to sign these guys coming um, again. Um, one guy I forgot to mention that I do potentially see coming back um, is Clayton Kershaw. You know what I mean? I think that's a guy that the Dodgers should easily go out and target. I think he's a guy that's more than willing to come back and play for this for the the Dodgers. I don't see him in any other uniform but the Dodgers uniform. Um, So if you add him back, obviously that probably knocks out – that definitely knocks out one of these guys. Then you add Bauer. So now you're looking at a a rotation that looks like uh, Bueller, Urias, Gonsolin, Bauer, Kershaw. Like that's a really solid rotation um, once they all come back. Um, But I think Kershaw is definitely a guy that really needs to come back and finish off his career here in L.A. And I don't see the Dodgers not doing that because the Dodgers have always adored him and loved him. so, I see him coming back in the future. Um, to round out this NL West breakdown, we're going to jump into the Giants. And this is the team I actually talk about quite a bit um, with Bryce, um, who's one of my best friends. Um, he always asks me, he's like, What do the Giants need to do? Um, what do you see with the, the Giants organization? What holes do we have? Yada, yada. Like, we always just talk Giants baseball. I probably talk Giants baseball more than I do Yankee baseball, um, believe it or not. Um, but the Giants were the dark horse honestly last year and came out of nowhere. Like I said, they were projected to have 80 wins throughout the whole entire year and it out popping out 107 wins with 55 losses, you know, and I think they took the major leagues by, by storm. You know, they did not anticipate a lot of these things going on. You know, they really made that push and adding Chris Bryant, you know, adding that, that bat at the trade deadline to give them that extra push. Um, you know, and I, 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 and this team's really, really up in the air. You know, I look at this Giants team. You got Tommy La at the top of the order. You got Brandon Belt. Then you got Crawford. You got Lamonte Wade Jr., Evan Longoria, Mike Iskrimski, Darren Ruff, Stephen uh, Duger, and then uh, Joey Bart. You know, you look at this lineup, and I just, um, I really, oh, man, I look at this lineup, and I think you got to sell on Brandon Belt. You know, although he had a great, he has had great two past seasons. You know, last year he hit 274 with a 378 on base percentage. And in 2020 he hit 309 with a 425 on base percentage. But the thing is with Belt, I tell Bryce this, is you got to sell him while he's high and his value's high. He's 33 right now. He's going to be 34 this next season. You got to buy high on him before his performance declines because right now you could probably trade him with someone and be able to get a good return on him based off his last two seasons. But in my eyes I see him going back and taking a step back and being on that down slope again. Because you look back on it, in twenty nineteen he hit two thirty four. Twenty eighteen he hit two fifty three and in twenty uh twenty seventeen he hit two forty one. You know, prior to that he came up and been absolutely lights out for the Giants hitting 275, 280, 275, 289. Um, But he's really went on that downslope. And I was, and I think this is the time where you sell high on him, See what you can get for him, See if you can bring in um, an outfielder, you know, bring in a bat or bring in a uh, rotation arm. I don't know what you like. I don't know, but just bring in someone that can help out this ball club, bring it in. I don't know. I you know, there's just a lot of question marks with Brandon Belt. I just don't trust him being that type of guy again, you know. And I think the Giants really just need to sell on him. Um, you got your solidified shortstop with Brandon Crawford, um, and like I said, this team won 107. Yeah, 107 games for a reason, you know. And I think they played way above expectations. No one expected them to play as good because, like, you look at this lineup. Who on here is a big name guy other than? Brandon Crawford, who's a shortstop here, you know. And then you got Evan Longoria, who used to be a – who still is probably amongst one of the superstars in the game, but, you know, he in the, he made his career with the Rays, you know. Um, other than that, like, you got Darren Ruff, Stephen uh, Steven um You got Wade Jr. Like, who are these guys? Like, I have never really even heard any of these guys up until last season when the Giants started winning. Um, I mean, shoot, you got Wilmer Flores, who played his career with the Mets, and then he's over here now, you know, you got a lot of guys that are just role guys that came in and play their role and they did a great job doing it. Um, they won the division, you know, hung in there with the Dodgers, gave them a rough series, you know, day in and day out, they were always competitive. Um, one thing about this team too, that I really didn't like that they've done is that the way that they handled the whole Joey, Joey Bart situation, I really did not like the way they handled it. You know, last year, you know, he's, he, he proved himself, I think, to be able to earn a job with the big league roster out of spring training. I want to say he had like five, he had something ridiculous, like 564. I know he had 500. I know that for a fact. Um, but last season, hit 294 in 67 games and had 279 plate appearances. And then he came, had a short stand, played two games up in the major leagues, but I'm not really going to even look at that. In 2020, he played in 33 games in the short season and hit 233. But prior to that, he had 316 in minors, 298 in the minors. Like these are numbers to where you, this is a guy that you should have brought up last year and be able to learn from Posey. Knowing that Posey was in this last year, I would have brought him up to learn, learn teach, let one of the great catchers that we probably will ever get to watch. Let him come up and learn from a guy like Posey. Let him come up and learn how to manage a big league rotation. Let him come up and learn the ins and outs of being a big league catcher. And I think that's something that the that the Giants really lacked in doing. You know, yes, you have the spring training where you can show him little things here and there, but let him be with them every day. You know, pick his brain why he throws this pitch to Bellinger as opposed to throwing this pitch to Bellinger. Um, because with the pitch clock now, these catchers are going to have to be on it with their scouting report. You know, they have to be locked in. They're gonna have to have these signs ready to go. You know, there's no second guessing yourself. There's a lot of things that go into this pitch clock now that you got to be on the ball, or else you're gonna lose it. You know, you're gonna give up a big hit in the key moment, give up a jack at the big moment, and not and not call the right pitch. And with Joey Bart being a young catcher, um, he's got to be ready to step into those shoes for Posey and be able to play a role here. You know, I don't question his lack or the question. I don't question the production he's gonna give him at the plate. Um, but a leadership role after losing a guy like Buster Posey, he's got to step up and be that big time guy for the giants. I think that's the one thing that's going to be huge in this team In this with this team, um, is putting around Bart and being able to allow him to take that leadership role at the age of 25, you know? And I think they could have done that last year with him, that him losing learning from Posey, but they didn't do it. Um, that's one thing with this giants, um, organization I really questioned. Um, with the Giants' rotation, I really like it. You got Logan Webb to frontline that rotation. I really liked what I saw with him in the playoffs. I Think he's going to have a even better year than he did last year. Um, last year he had a three point zero one or a three point zero three in one hundred forty innings and twenty six starts. I think he's going to take a step forward. I could see him even under the sub three and get him in the high twos. I um, probably have like a two seven six ERA. I could see from him. This um, De- Stefani was a big ad to get him back. I think he was a focus of that rotation that you really needed to add back um, because he's what you provided for this team. You know, he gave you a 3.170 ERA with 167 innings. He was an inning eater. Oh, no, made every start. Um, that was a big add back for him. And then you got Alex Wood here. You got Alex Cobb, Tyler Beattie. It's interesting to see how Tyler Beattie comes back. Um, wants a big prospect for the Giants and a big prospect alone in baseball. Um, it's really going to be a question to see how he comes back from his injuries. Um, because he, honestly, at the major league level, he still hasn't shown much. You know, he's yet to really have that type of time at the major league level to be able to show anything. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing how he comes back. Is he be able to be that number five guy that the Giants need him to be? Um, I think that's the biggest question mark in this rotation. Other than that, I really like it. I really like what the direction that they went with this rotation. They brought back guys that are role guys and they're able to give you innings, you know, give you starts and that's what you need. Um this this bullpen is still going to continue to be very good. You got Dominic Leone, you got Tyler Rogers, Jake McGee, you know, he's he's your setup guy. You got to get him to be lights out. He gave up a lot of blown saves late in the year. Um I need him to take that step forward and be that lights out guy that you need to be, bridge that gap between your closer Duvall, and McGee. You need him to be solid there. Um But this bullpen was really good. I mean, looking at these ERAs, holy moly. You got Jose Alvarez, had a Um, 2.37. Zach Littrell, is it Littrell? Little. Little? Um, Had a 2.92. Garcia had a 2.62. Leon, one five one. Rodgers, 2.22. McGee, 2.72. Like, these guys had really good ERAs. So, I mean, they could continue to be as good as they were on the mound. This team is going to go places because they're going to keep them in a lot of ball games. However, it's just a question is, is this lineup going to be able to bounce back from the year that they had last year and continue that production? Is Brandon Belt going to give you that 274 average? Is Crawford going to hit 298 again? Um, are these guys going to take step forwards? You know, Is Bart going to be able to be that leader? Like I said, um, there's just things in this lineup that are question marks to me. Um, I would love to see them go out of bat. Not a big bat. I would like to see him. Let's see here. Let's see who we can go out here. I'm going to go look at these bats right here for you guys. Um, Because I think it it doesn't have to be an expensive bat. It doesn't have to be a high-level caliber player. I don't see um, Chris Bryant coming back. That's one guy I don't see coming back for him. Um, Let's see here. I wonder if a Tommy Pham would fit with the Giants. Put him in that outfield allow him to just be a role guy for you. You know, he's a guy that gets on base. He has a, a pretty decent bat. You know, he. Oh, let me see here. Had a down year last year at 229. The year before the in the short season, at two 211. But the years prior with the Rays, he had 273, 275, 306. So if he's able to take that step with the Giants and be able to come in there and hit, I can—I I don't think that would be a bad ad. Um, shoot. Let's see. Here. I mean, there's a lot of options. I mean, you can go get a McCutcheon, you know, a, a known name guy. Um, get McCutcheon. You can get maybe a Matt Duffy, Tommy Pham. There's a lot of bats here that I don't think are going to be too expensive that you can kind of go and get and just kind of see what he would give you. Um, whether I don't know if it would be a boost to this lineup. I think. Let me see here. Let's see here. What's this? i all fill the shape it up blank. Yeah, you got Wade Jr., Tommy LaStella, and Yaz. Yaz needs to step up. He needs to have a great year. He needs. To, he had a down year last year. I need him to get back to the years prior that he's had. Um, he had two twenty four. Um, but honestly, I could go see that. I could see them adding a low budget bad just to fill a role in this, rota- uh, this rotation again. Um, I could see them going to go out of bat to add to this lineup and allow them to take that step forward and kind of add in a known bat. Maybe adding McCutcheon back. I don't see that why you wouldn't go and do that. I think that's something that would be good. Um, no name, A known name guy, a veteran guy that can come in and give you guys a veteran presence. Um, So, yeah, that's my take there. Um, My prospect that I have for the Giants is their number four prospect, Helmut R- uh, Ramos. He's an outfielder and – you know, I think Ramos can be a guy to help out make this ball club a little bit more youthful. He's 22 years old. He has a good batting average in the minors, hitting 270. He has quick uh, quick bat speed and has natural strength, according to the scouts. He said 260 to 290. Um, yeah, he said 260 to 290. I think he can um, continue to do that if he was able to get there. He has a lot of power. Um, you know, and I think he could be good a good fit with the bay, in the Bay. Uh, bring him up, get that youthfulness up there, and allow him to really take this ball club to the next level. You know, I think the Giants are just not, and they've been in that weird spot since their championship run to where they've just been able, not been able to get the right guys in at the right time. Um, Longo, 36, you know, he's kind of just there. He had 261 last year. You know, this Giants ball club just has a lot of question marks for me, and I, I'm interested in seeing what direction they want to go. Um, and if they can repeat the year that they had last year, if they do, I can definitely see this team being front runners for this division again, um, coming down nowhere and basically washing away everyone's projections for them again. Cause I think a lot of people have them stepping back and actually living up to that 80 win mark, you know, again, and then letting the Dodgers be able to run away with this, but we'll see, you know, um, we'll see what they have to offer. You know, I think it's very, going to be very interesting to see what they do. Um, along with this whole entire division, you know, um, leading into that, my division winner is obviously going to probably be the Dodgers, just because of the team that they have. This team is just so good, and then you have guys coming back that are going to give you guys that next boost. Um, give the Dodgers that boost, whichever may or Dustin May, Bauer. Um, if you had Kershaw, you know, if they do everything that they need to do, this team is just going to be really, really good, and it's going to be hard to stop them. Like I said. And then especially if they go out and add Freeman, oh, man. This lineup is just going to be deadly. Um, so we'll see. Um, Dodgers are going to be my front runner for this division. i um, sorry, Giants fans and all my Giants listeners that I have out there, probably from Fresno, um, and <laughs> just the West Coast in general. I'm sorry. Um, but I have the Dodgers winning this division. I think it's just a clear-cut favorite. Um, they're going to be the favorite for a long time coming if they continue to sign these guys to their contracts and continue to put blockbuster lineups out like this. Um But with that being said, guys, now we're going to jump into the guest up player. Um, And this is a guy that I chose that I always ask Giants fans. Because being in Fresno, being in California for that matter, um, when the Giants went on that run in that stretch of their World Series championships, you saw a lot of guys come out of the woodworks that magically were Giants fans that you have never heard of and never had seen them wear Giants gear. Um, but then all of a sudden, once the World Series, oh, yeah, no, I've been a Giants fan for years. Well, really? Huh. Well, do you know J.T. Snow? Do you know yada, yada, yada? And I just start naming off players and they're like, oh, uh, oh, uh. Oh. So I know that's kind of a mean move to do, but I always just mess around with people. I don't really care who your favorite team is. I'm going to, you know, respect it regardless. Uh, but this is the guy that I always, always question to see if they know him. So with that being said, he did play shortstop for the Giants. From the 1995 season to 2003, he was an All-Star and Silver Slugger winner in 2001. He has also played for the Seattle Mariners, the San Diego Padres, and the Cincinnati Reds. Has a career 275 average and an on-base percentage of 328. He has also played third base, first base um, for the other teams that he's played for. You know... So I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of time. But before that, guys, thank you guys for listening if you're still with me now. Um, we're wrapping it up here, you know, we're gonna finish this segment and then we'll be done with the podcast. So thank you guys for sticking with me this long. Be sure to go take out check out the BDL podcast if you haven't already. Go give that a follow. Go like up all the videos that are on there, go spam us if you need to. Um, you know, we got a lot of different content out there. We got content from the Owen Show, the mansion. Um from BDL, you know, we got our some Bullpen Bros um, episodes out there. We got some t- uh, video breakdowns. We got Team Builders. We have a lot of different stuff out there, so be sure to go check out the content and give it a follow if you haven't already. We love to hear from you guys, and that's our that's your way of DMing us and letting us know what question you guys have. And if you have any questions or fan questions, uh, this episode we didn't have any fan questions. Um, so be sure to get those in if you have anything for me. love to answer them and get those to you guys. Um, with that being said guys the player for today's episode that is guest out player is Rich Aurelia that is a name that I I when I say it, it takes me back to being a little kid because my cousin's a big time Giants fan uh, my cousin Vincent has always loved the Giants ever since I can remember um, I will go to Giants games probably almost every year with him um, and my aunt um, I was fortunate enough to go see Bear, um, one of Barry bondes's uh, career home runs. I saw the. What did I see? I can't remember which one I see. Did I see five seven fifty seven? I don't remember which one I saw. Now that I mention it, I did see one of the career. I know. I. I'm sorry if I saw it. I should definitely be able to remember which one it was, right? Yeah. I know. I know. I know. But I. Uh, but I. I went to a lot of Giants games with them. You know. I got. I was fortunate enough to always be able to go on the road with them. Um, I've always been close with them. So I thought it was fitting to name Rich Aurelia because I he had a poster on his wall and it had uh Jason Schmidt, uh JT Snow, Rich Aurelia, you know, all those guys from those early two thousand teams. And um I would always play the two K baseball games with them. So those are the names that always stick out to me. Um but Rich Aurelia is a guy that I always think of, you know, whenever I think of those teams. Um but that's the player for today's episode, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I might have a special treat for you guys this ne- that the uh, next episode. You know, on Tuesday, we're going to be talking um, awards. You know, I'm going to give you guys my way too early MVP predictions, Cy Young predictions, rookie of the year predictions. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of, bit of playoffs. You know, who do I have winning the World Series? Who do I see making the playoffs? Um, there's talk of even there being possibly an MLB playoff expansion. You know, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and I'm going to have some special guests on there with me, potentially, um, for our line, if our schedules are able to line up, I have a treat in for you guys. And we're going to have some great guys that know, know what they're talking about. And, um, we'll be able to give you guys their insight and what their take is. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but with that, guys, thank you guys for listening. Um, I love each and every single one of you guys and appreciate you guys tuning in this episode every single week. Um, and I thank you guys i can 't thank you guys enough this has always been a passion of mine to be able to talk baseball and um, you know I love it I love being able to talk to you guys and give you guys my thoughts and um, on everything going on with the lockout divisions um, I enjoyed doing the divisional breakdowns um, if you have any questions though like I said continue to bring those in guys I love answering those um, but with that being said thank you guys for listening God bless and i 'll see you i 'll talk to you guys next episode have a good one